Our reading this morning is no surprise, it is taken from Proverbs chapter 3 and I'm starting to read from verse 1. Proverbs 3 and reading from verse 1. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favour and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honour the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves. As a father, the son, he delights in. Blessed is the man who finds wisdom. The man who gains understanding. For she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand and in her left hand are riches and honour. Her ways are pleasant ways, and her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Those who lay hold of her will be blessed. First thing I want to say to you this morning is, uh, is Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thank you. Happy New Year. And uh, New Year, of course, it's a, it's a fresh start, a new year. The old has gone, uh, the new has come. And it's a time of year when many people uh, reflect and take stock and we think of things that have passed. Uh, but we also look forward uh, in hope to things that are to come. It's a time of year when sometimes uh, people uh, make New Year's resolutions. Uh, some people, for some people that's uh, starting another diet. Uh, after all the uh, turkey and mince pies, some of which are still to uh, be eaten after the service. Uh, but it's a time when, we, when we, we, we take on new things, maybe new challenges. People take up uh, new, th- new things. Some people try and, uh, and take up new sports. Some people decide they're going to get fit and uh, start running or walking and do all sorts of things. I wonder, has anybody uh, set themselves a New Year resolution? Anybody done that? Yeah? Do you wanna, is, is it something you can share with us or, or not? You don't have to, but uh, you don't want to share it. Okay, you don't have to, yeah? Yeah? Learn how to learn how to cook. What a great idea! What a great idea! Learn how to cook. Uh, let us know how you get on. <laughs> Invite us all round, and we'll uh, <laughs> and we'll take it out. Yeah, yeah. For those of you that haven't got a, a New Year resolution, I thought I'd give you one uh, and see what you make of it. Um, because uh, in this new year, uh, I want to challenge you to put your trust in the Lord. And you say, Richard, we do that all the time. That's how we live. We trust in the Lord. Um, but what I want you to do is to, is to take this verse uh, that we're taking on for the new year 
and, and to make it your text for the year. And to not only learn it, but to live it out throughout the year. And uh, I'll try and explain what I mean by this as we, uh, as we look at this text. Of course, the text comes within the book of Proverbs in chapter 3. And Proverbs is one of those books that comes in the Bible and is often referred to as part of the wisdom literature. Books such as uh, Proverbs and Ecclesiastics and the book of Job and sometimes Psalms are, are, are called the wisdom literature because they contain wisdom for living. They contain instructions on uh, how to live a life in relationship with God. And uh, much of the book of Proverbs, uh, you know, reads as a, as a father speaking to his son, uh, giving uh, wise advice. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commandments in your heart. It's like a father saying, son, you know, this is how to live. This is what you need to do in order to succeed in life, to get on in life. These are some things that I want to give you to help you know how to cope in all that life has to throw at you. And uh, I liked the, uh, I didn't just like the children's song that we sang, I liked the video that went with it because life is very much like a roller coaster. And at the beginning of this year, we don't know what ups and downs we might have to face. And very often that's what life is like, it's a roller coaster. We get on and uh, we experience great highs, but sadly we also experience great lows. And the wisdom literature is there and is to be taken on board and to for us to consider and to think and to learn how to live. So that's where we're coming from uh, in this text for the year. And I want to break it down a bit. I want to break it down and just take it uh, a step at a time. Starting with that first part, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And there's a sense in this is what this is what we do when we accept Jesus into our lives. Uh, this is how we come to faith by putting our trust in God and in Jesus. Jesus said to the disciples in John chapter 14, you know, trust in God, trust also in me. That's the it's a basic uh, requirement for followers of Jesus that we put our trust uh, in God and in Jesus. Uh, but for some people, it seems like this is a bit of a, a leap of faith. A leap of faith. You know, can God be trusted? Can we put our trust in God? We live in, in times now where, where people find it difficult, don't they, to put their trust in anything. You know, they used to say, you know, bank on it. You can trust the banks. And of course, that's all gone uh, a little bit astray as the, as the banks crashed. Or people said, you know, people would say, trust me, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a doctor. Or trust me, uh, you know, I'm a politician. And, and again, you know, well, maybe your experience of doctors is good. I hope it is. But our experience of politicians, again, you know, can, can they be trusted? with have all the expenses, scandals and things like that. And these institutions that were, were always institutions that you could trust in, were starting to question the police force, you know. Trust me, I'm a policeman. We always used to think you can trust, you know, if your child gets lost, looks for a police person because this is someone you can trust. And of course, on the whole, you can trust these people. But of course, with the, the Hillsborough Inquiry and things like that, we suddenly find out that actually, all these people and organisations that we put our trust in, uh, let us down in some respects. And so when it comes to God, uh, can, can God be trusted? Can God be trusted? Well, 
Sometimes we say it a little bit glibly, don't we? You know, oh, trust God. Just put your trust in God as if it's the easiest thing in the world to do. Uh, well, actually, uh, we learn to trust, don't we? If I say trust me because I'm a Baptist minister, um, actually, I wouldn't expect you to trust me just because I have the label of a Baptist minister. You have to get to know me and find out whether I am trustworthy and reliable. Uh, the reality is I don't really want you to put too much trust in me because uh, I'm a human being and I will let you down, I will fail. Uh, but I do want you to put your trust in God. Because I think that God can be trusted. But it's something that we have to learn to do. Just like with people, if somebody walks into the church uh, next week and we didn't know them, we wouldn't put them straight in, in charge of our Sunday school or make them treasurer of, of, of our accounts because we'd want to get to know them before we uh, put any trust their way. And there's a sense in it's the same with God. You have to get to know God before you can trust him. And uh, I do want to think of it though as a leap of faith. I do want to think of it very much about uh, a leap of faith. And uh, John Altberg, in his book, Faith and Doubt, he, he talks about this phrase, leap, leap of faith, which he, he says is often uh, uh, referred to as something that Syrian uh, Kierkegaard talked about. But he says this, he says, the term leap of faith has frequently been misunderstood. It does not mean choosing to believe an impossible thing for no good reason. Sometimes people talk about it, as if the leap in which you ignore evidence, give up reason and, and embrace fantasy. But leap is a term for a genuinely free action. goes on to say, the leap of faith is a leap because it involves making a total commitment. It can be made for good reasons, reasons which we have carefully considered. But it is nevertheless a leap because we have to commit in spite of our fears and doubts. For there is no other way to soar no other way to fly you know if, if I'm going to jump off this stage uh, there comes a point where I have to you know I can look down it's not very far to jump there's no danger here don't worry health and safety we're okay I could have stood on a chair and made it a bit more exciting but then I'm not going to trouble with the health and safety so I'm going to make this leap just off the stage but there comes a point where I have to totally commit to the leap um, otherwise I'll never get off the stage I can think about it, I can look at it I think, well, I think I'll be okay uh, I've got a bit dodgy knee, but I think I'll be okay but it comes a moment where I have to actually leap and I'm going to take a leap now John Altberg is saying, when we take a leap, it's a total commitment. We have to put our whole selves into it. We can't leave part of ourselves behind if we're going to leap. Otherwise, we'll never fly. Not that many people have ever flown, I guess. Um, but hey, if you want to jump off a stage, you've got to do it wholeheartedly. So trust in the Lord with all your heart. It is a leap of faith that we have to take. But it's not a leap into the unknown. Uh, I could leap off this stage because I was quite confident that the floor could sustain me. It was going to hold my weight. I wasn't thinking, gosh, if I jump off here, the floor, I might go right through the floor and into the river below. That thought didn't enter my mind because I trusted that this floor was, was reasonably secure and would hold me. 
So it wasn't really a leap into the unknown. I knew what was going to happen. And it's the same when we put our trust in God. It's not a, it's not a, sometimes we use the phrase, don't we, blind faith. As if people that follow Jesus haven't really a clue what they're doing. Most people that follow Jesus have thought about it and considered it and decided that this is the right and good thing to do. And that's what I'm talking about when I say put our trust in the Lord. It is a leap of faith. Uh, but the image that I really want to uh, to leave with you in this morning is that of a trapeze artist. Anybody ever been on a trapeze? Looks great fun, doesn't it? <laughs> a bit more dangerous than jumping off a stage. Um, because uh, the trapeze is normally pretty high up in the sky and there's an element of danger. And that's why we like to go to the circus, don't we? Sometimes they have a safety net. Sometimes people do it without a safety net to add to the excitement and tension. And the reason I want to think about a, a trapeze artist is I was, I was reading something that um, a guy called uh, Henry Newon, uh, not long before his death, Henry Newon wrote a book called Sabbatical Journey. And he writes about some friends of his who were trapeze artists called the Flying Rudellas. And he gets into a conversation with them about the whole thing about, about trapezing. And it goes like this, he says, he says, the, the secret, Rodley, the trapeze artist said, is that the flyer does nothing and the catcher does everything. When I fly to Joe, who's the catcher, I simply, I have simply to stretch out my arms and hands and wait for him to catch me and pull me safely over the apron, apron behind the catch bar. You do nothing. I said, surprised, nothing. Rodley repeated, a flyer must fly and a catcher must catch. And the flyer must trust with outstretched arms that his catcher will be there for him. In other words, if you if you ever on a trapeze, a bit of advice for you, you never know, do you? You never know, you might find yourself on a trapeze. And you're the person that's flying through the air. Don't try and grab hold of their hands, otherwise it could all go desperately wrong. You have just to hold out your hands trusting completely that the catcher will do his job and catch you. And of course it's exactly the same when we put our trust in God. We have to hold out our hands in the confidence that God will take hold of our arms and catch us. We're putting our complete trust in him. We're not trying to do the catching and the flying because there's a catcher and a flyer. And we have to know whether we are flying or catching and it's God who will catch us. And so that's why I want to give you this idea of, uh, of the trapeze artist. The flyer must trust the catcher. And so, again, if, if you are a trapeze artist, when you're, on that, when you're in that motion, you're going back and forward, you're not thinking, gosh, I wonder whether Joe's going to catch me today or not. You're absolutely confident when you let go that the person's going to catch you. You're not thinking as you're flying through mid-air, I hope he catches me because it's a long way down. You're absolutely confident, and that's why you're able to let go. And that's why you're able to let go. And uh, trusting in the Lord with all your heart, it is about letting go. It's about the ability to let go and let God catch you. So that's the first thing, trusting the Lord with all your heart. But the verse goes on, uh, and lean not on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Knock, knock. Trust in. Trust in me, I'm a Baptist minister. <laughs> lean not on your own understanding. 
A.W. Tozer says, faith is seeing the invisible, but not the non-existent. Some people think faith is believing something that is not actually there. Biblical faith believes God when he tells us there is a reality which we cannot see. There is a reality that we cannot see. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Our own understanding might tell us that God isn't there because we cannot see him. Word of warning here. When it says lean not on your own understanding, it doesn't mean don't try and understand. It doesn't mean don't think. Sometimes uh, it seems to me that sometimes as we enter into the church, if we're not careful, we leave our, our minds and our wisdom at the door thinking that it has no place within the church because this is about faith and religion as if it doesn't make any sense. But actually, it makes a whole lot of sense. And the whole wisdom literature is just exactly what it is. It's wisdom. It's wisdom to live by. And when it says lean not on your own understanding, it means, really, don't rely on yourself and what you can understand. Because there are times when things happen that we can't understand. There are times when, on that roller coaster of life, when we're going down into a valley... And things seem to go wrong and we think, why on earth has God allowed that to happen? And of course we try and work it out and we we, we get really anxious and we we struggle and and, and we try and work out what's going on here and how come God allows these things to come into our lives or, or for this person to get ill or for this person to lose their job. And we think about it and we try and make sense of it. And there's nothing wrong again, I would say, with trying to understand and making sense of it. But let's not lean too heavily on our own understanding. Because when we're dealing with God, there will be things that we can't understand. My ways are far above your ways, says Isaiah of God. Uh, So we can't completely understand God, but it shouldn't stop us trying to understand God. Anybody here uh, a bit of a remote control freak? Anybody like to hold, you know, when you're in a TV room... Do you like to have the remote control? I've, I've got to hold my hands up. I like to have the remote control. In fact, I like the remote control so much, somebody actually bought me a remote control for a Christmas present. A brand new remote control. What does that say about me, hey? Uh, anybody want to have a go with my new remote control? Yeah, what's the control? It wouldn't be great. Yeah, sometimes I think it wouldn't be great if you had a remote control that controlled people. You know, you could point it at a preacher and press fast forward and you'd be at the end of the, end of the sermon very quickly. Or you could put it on pause and make the sermon really slow and lasting. Hey, you want to have a go at my right remote control? It's really good. Come on. Thank you, Ian. Thank you, Ian. Okay. Is it must be bad? It's about trust, isn't it? It's about trust. Come on stage. Come on stage. Now... I don't know about you, but my eyesight's quite not great, so you need to hold it quite close to, to your face, okay? And, and just press the select button really hard. Press it as hard as you can, select button. Will we fall out if I do this? Never, no, no chance about that. Just press it really hard. <laughs> what to say about trusting me? <laughs> Thank you. Don't worry. In case you didn't see it, it's, a, it's, it's, it's not a real remote control. It gives a little bit of... Uh, you know, water. But hey, the thing about having the remote control, it makes you feel like you're in charge, doesn't it? You're in charge of all the channels. You can decide what program you're going to watch. 
And there's a sense in which we do like to be in charge, don't we? We like to be in charge of our own destiny. We don't like surprises. In the new year, we'll be making plans that we're going to do this and we're going to do that. We're going to go on holiday. And we'll set things out. And we want things to go as we planned in the church life. Uh, we do the same thing. You know, we make plans and we want the, the plans to fall into place. And we don't really want surprises. Um, but actually, uh, one of the things about uh, leaning not on our understanding... Again, it's about letting go. It's about putting the remote control down and allowing somebody else to be in charge. Uh, Jesus calls people to follow him. You know, when he called the disciples to follow him, when he called Matthew and Andrew, they were fishing. And what did he say? Leave your nets behind and come and follow me. The sense in which following Jesus means letting go of things. And handing over control to Jesus. And following him. I don't know if anybody's ever been lost. You know, in, in, in the days of satellite navigation, it's quite hard to get lost. But uh, I once found myself in the underground in Moscow. And got absolutely, completely lost. Uh, we, weren't, we were quite away from the centre. Uh, I couldn't read the signs. I couldn't understand the map. There was just me and this other uh, trainee Baptist minister. And we were completely lost and, and people were going by. And eventually somebody came up to us and spoke in perfect English. And they said to us, are you lost? And we said, yes. And we told them where we were trying to get to. And you know what he said? Follow me, I'll take you there. And we jumped on one tube, and off another tube, and onto another tube. And we finally got to where we were going. Uh, but we had to follow him. If he'd have said, you know, you get on this tube, and you, and you go to here, and then you get, you get another tube, and you go here and there, we'd have probably got lost. But we had to put our complete trust in him, and follow him, believing that he was going to take us to where we wanted to get to. He could have taken us anywhere. We didn't know the guy. But we decided... To put our trust in him and it worked out okay. And there's a sense in that, that's what Jesus asked us to do. To follow him. Not to try and work it out for ourselves and have all the answers. Uh, Not to always lean on our own understanding. But to follow him. That's our call. And that involves letting go. It means that we can't always have the remote control in our hands. Because when we do, you know, we could end up getting wet. So... Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways, acknowledge him. In other words, um, in everything that you do. You know, if we, uh, if we acknowledge someone, what do we do? What do we do? Sometimes, I, I've got to confess, uh, I, I was rushing around before Christmas on the last minute, typical husband. Uh, I was in uh, TK Max, and I saw two people that I knew that I hadn't seen for ages, and uh, I went the other way. I thought, I don't want to get into a long conversation now. I'm running them out, I've got a hundred and one things. I didn't acknowledge them, I hid from them. I went down a different aisle, hoping not to meet them. When we uh, acknowledge somebody, we recognize that they're there. We recognize their presence. And God is saying, you know, in all your ways, acknowledge me. Remember, I'm there all the time. I don't know if any of you are daffing us to watch uh, Celebrity Big Brother uh, or watch Big Brother. It's a television program where 
Uh, you go into a house and there's cameras on you 24-7 and sometimes the people who are in the house forget that they're being watched all the time and do some rather silly and ridiculous things that they'll probably later off on in life regret. They don't acknowledge the fact that somebody's watching them. They don't. They forget that the cameras are there. And sometimes, of course, we forget that God's there. In a place like this, it's obvious that God's here. We're singing songs to God. We're praising God. We're looking at his word. We're praying to him. We're going to share the, in communion together. It's obvious that God is here because there's all sorts of things to remind us but when we go out of here it's so easy to live our lives and not acknowledge God and not to recognize that God is here we acknowledge people by saying thank you when they do something for us or when they when they give us a gift or something and uh, of course the way that we acknowledge God mostly is in our prayer life when we're praying to God we are acknowledging that we have a need for God. We are including him in our lives. We're telling God about what's going on in our lives. We're speaking to him on a daily basis. So it says, acknowledge him in all your ways. Acknowledge him. And again, this is about letting go and letting God. It's about letting go of, of us always having uh, our diaries and our plans and, and not involving God and just being selfish and everything it's about acknowledging him and then the final part of the, uh, the second verse and he will make your paths straight and he will make your paths straight uh, what a great promise isn't it what a great promise and the sense in which it would seem to be saying that, you know, if we follow kind of A, B and C, then D will automatically happen. You know, that if we do this, that and the other, then everything will turn out all right. And that would be lovely, wouldn't it? But I'm not exactly sure is it, if this is what the passage is saying. I'm not exactly sure about that. Uh, you know, our excess of success and failure tends to be taken from the world in which we live in. We tend to look at people and we say they're successful because maybe they've got a lot of money, maybe they've got a big car, maybe they've got a fantastic career, maybe they've got a big house. And we tend to say, that's what success looks like. And then we look at other people uh, who are struggling, uh, who are out of work, and we, and we perhaps look at that and we say, well, that's what failure looks like. And we take our, our ideas of success and failure very much from a worldly point of view. And then what, if we're not careful, what we do is we try and bring that worldly idea of success and failure into the Bible. And people use sometimes verses like this and say, hey, it says that, uh, you know... Um, that if you do these things, then you will have favour with and a good name in the sight of God and man. And it went on to say, you know, blessed is the man who finds wisdom. And he talked about a, a kind of being, being prosperous. Uh, but again, we think of it in terms of worldly prosperity, don't we, very often. And of course, this is, this is very much taken on board by something that's called the prosperity gospel. Uh, in which people preach a gospel that says that you can be, you can have everything that the world has to offer. If you follow this A, B and C, uh, God will bless you uh, in worldly terms. But of course, the wisdom literature isn't about worldly things, it's about God. And uh, being blessed by God isn't the same as being, being blessed by the world. It actually looks very different. Um, Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Uh, we live in a world that's all about me, isn't it? About what I can get, what I want. Look at me. Celebrity, look at me, I want to be famous. And Jesus says, 
deny yourself, which is contrary to what the world says. The world says, look after yourself, get as much as you can for yourself, get as much fame, get as much fortune in yourself. And then he says, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. Denying self, uh, losing, this doesn't sound very prosperous to the world. But this is prosperity in the kingdom of God. Where the losers become the winners, although they look like they're losing. You know, if you follow a football team, uh, you want your football team to win. Uh, If your football team loses, you come away with a, a glum and sulky face and you're very sad for a matter of hours or maybe days or even weeks for some people, depending on how seriously you take it. Obviously not me. Uh, otherwise I'd be a right mess at the moment wouldn't I let's face it let's not go there but you see losers and winners in the gospels is turned on its head you see when Jesus started to talk to the disciples about dying they didn't like it they didn't like the sound of it because it sounded like that was losing rather than winning they were expecting a Messiah who was going to come and, and be a triumphant victorious king in the, in, in, in the same kind of sense in which David was and when Jesus talked about in that passage where it says trust in God and trust in me he's actually talking about the fact that he's going away and he's going to heaven which means he's got to die and so success and failure in the gospel is very different and we shouldn't get it allowed out to get mixed up in, in the worldly sense and we shouldn't bring the worldly idea of success and failure into the gospel and think that that's what it looks like because it looks like something completely different And so if we're going to trust in the Lord, we have to let go. We have to be able to let go. It's about complete commitment. It's about completely committing yourself to something. Not always leaning on your own understanding. If we lean on our own understanding too much, um, we'll just spend all our time trying to work out why this has happened, why that's happened, uh, why God hasn't done this, why God has done that. Acknowledge God in everything, in all your ways. Uh, bring God into every single part of your life. And yes, he will make your path straight. Uh, but the idea that the paths have got to be made straight suggests to me that maybe they're a little bit twisted and need straightening out. If I say, look, I need to have a chat with you because we need to straighten something out, it means something's gone wrong. You know, if the wires are all tangled and need straightening out, it's because they're in a mess. And so, we shouldn't forget that if something needs to be straightened out, it's probably in a mess to start with. And when God says he'll make your path straight, he will eventually make your path straight. Uh, but the straight path leads to heaven. I like the story that's told of, a, of a, an old missionary woman that's returning from uh, 50 years service in Africa. And uh, she, she's on the sailboat and she returns into, into New York Harbour. And as the boat comes into the harbour, she can see this wonderful, huge band playing and people with banners and cheering. And everybody's excited and she thinks, gosh, have all these people come out to welcome me? I've been this missionary in Africa 50 years. I had no idea, no, anybody knew anything about me. Uh, but as she gets closer, uh, she suddenly sees this politician who's been on a state visit to Africa for, for a week and, uh, and realises that the band's turned out for him and, and not for her. And uh, she has a little conversation with God and she says, God, 
you know, I've served you for 50 years and there's nobody here uh, to welcome me home. And uh, she looks at the politician who's been for, to Africa for a week and, and all the trump and ceremony that's been uh, given to his return. And she thinks it's not really fair. But then she hears this still quiet voice in her head. God speaking to her. And he says, you're not home yet. You're not home yet. Because our reward is not on earth. Our reward is in heaven. And there will be trumpets sounding and a great band to receive that missionary. But when she finally arrives home in heaven, that's where her reward will be. And for those that look for a reward in this earth, you might get it or you might not. I don't think the Bible guarantees us that. And trusting in God is not trusting in God and everything will turn out right. That is a fairy tale. That is asking you to believe in something that's not real and doesn't make sense. That's a fairy tale. We're not asking you to believe in that. We're asking you to put your trust in something that's solid. That's solid as this floor, that's solid as a rock. And that is to trust in the Lord with all your heart. To lean not on your own understanding. And I just want to leave you with this idea, you know, what would your life look like? What would your tomorrow look like if you did that? If you trusted in the Lord with all your heart? How would that change your tomorrow? If you decided that you weren't always going to lean on your own understanding and work everything out, what would look differently in your life? If in all your ways you decided to acknowledge him, what would you inwardly and outwardly do differently this week? And God will make your path straight eventually. You just have to trust. Because God can make a way sometimes where there doesn't seem to be a way.